Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, David Sano, joined, as always, by the Mo to my homer. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? I uh, I probably didn't deserve this intro. Uh, no, you, you totally... <laughs> <laughs> but the Seahawks catalog. catalog. <laughs> Sorry, that's the most quintessential Mo scene I can ever think of. I don't deserve this kind of shabby treatment. Uh, and... Oh man, it, it, that, what was that? That was a two-part episode, right? Like, um, I believe that was the uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns when he's being yeah, exactly. hooked up to the lie detector test. I got a All hot right. date, a date, dinner alone, dinner with friends, dinner alone. Watching, watching TV, TV alone. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to sit at home and ogle the ladies in the Victoria's Secret catalog. Sears catalog. <laughs> All right, and our very own Barney. That's right. It's Eric Ronenbeck. <laughs> Eric, how you doing? Ah, you didn't, you didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, that, when he, when, when he says Ma- that to Leonard Nimoy, that's like my favorite moment. Uh, <laughs> All right, so... Slow news week for the Seahawks this week. This week, the only major thing that happened, Tyler got a huge extension. Four years, $69.2 million, $37 nice. million in guarantees. Uh, opens this, this year, it opened up about $7 million in cap space, which um, is around after the Dunlap contract has been finalized and everything. Uh, we have a little over that left. I think eight and a half, nine is, is where we're sitting right now. Um it's really hard because, you know, the contract details kind of trickle in. And so you, you don't know exactly what's going on. But we could see another extension. You know, Quandre still could get an extension. Uh, Jason. Uh, Jamal, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. Jason Myers, they could extend him too. Uh, you, they could extend Dwayne Brown. They could extend Bobby Wagner. They could uh, convert Russ to bonus. So there's still room to make a lot of moves. And, and, that's the thing that's I think kind of the Seahawks are building for now. They're trying they're they're trying to win. Eric, they're doing the opposite of what you said. Yeah, good they're, for them. They're slamming that window open and saying, let's win some football games. So how do you feel about that? I think it's a great move. I mean, I'm not I've never been against it. I just didn't see how they were going to do it without mortgaging their future or putting themselves in a tough bind in the future. And I'll just say this. That's that's still a possibility. I mean you have some older guys who are getting extended and they now have to be really careful about how they stagger these year after year, you know? And so you didn't know about void years is the thing. Uh, you were no, like, you're, I don't, you're I don't understand void years. Void. So no okay. one does. It's a mystery. Uh, it's actually not <laughs> a mystery. Okay. It's magic. So here's how void years work. I'll just explain it for the lay person. I think that it's, it's not too confusing once you kind of break it down. Basically what the Seahawks are doing, is they're saying you get a five-year contract. And NFL rules state that when you have a, a bonus in your contract, you know, a signing bonus, it is spread among those five years. And the last two years of that contract, they're going to void, which means you're only going to receive your your bonus money, right? They're going The contract will automatically void. There's not even a choice. Like it's not even a choice for us to keep these guys. So that means we'll have some dead cap space, you know, a couple million in bonus money for a lot of these guys oh, spread out over a couple years. And we'll have a. And one thing I think is that this is a cap loophole that is about to get closed, and the Seahawks are desperately trying to take advantage of it because we are coming up on the new TV contract, and I think there's going to be some modifications. The Seahawks are like, okay, we, we there's this cap loophole. Let's make use of it. Get get our money's worth before the cap goes way up. See, so when, the Seahawks are like, wait a minute, we've seen the Saints do this thing for like a <laughs> decade. Let's get in on the thing. The, the yeah. Saints, the Saints, what they did though is they would just 
keep extending guys. They they didn't. It was less like um, void years and more like we're just gonna extend you every time it gets close to like keep pushing the hit farther down. This is like straight up without the void part. <laughs> this is straight up like these years don't exist in the contract except for the bonus. And the best way I think about it is like how the Mets are still paying Bobby Bonilla. Okay, that's I think a, a, an analogous He's situation. Come up every week, but, Chris but, Carson on a thirty void year contract. <laughs> I think that there is a point if they added too many voyeurs, void years where the NFL would step in and say, "No, you can't do that." Um, this happened in hockey where they were like, "This is too much exploitation of the system." But I don't know where that line is, and the Seahawks aren't really pushing it. You know, they're just like, "Hey, there's two years. You know, here's here's two years out extra." So uh, we'll see how how that goes back. But I do think that there's going to be some kind of stricter ruling about these void years in the coming up. But for now, it's working good for the Seahawks, and it's working good for the players. You know, they get they get more bonus money, which is guaranteed. That's that's a, po- a huge positive for players, and they for a guy like Chris Carson, let's say he gets to his void year. They void the contract and he's still good, right? He's still like playing well and and healthy. He can make another huge deal and still get his money from the Seahawks from those void years. So it's mm-hmm. like a it's a potential win-win. And one reason the Seahawks are so able to do this is they have very little dead money heading into this season and next season. Uh there's just not a lot of dead cap space built in. So um yeah, and I think like in 2023, we have like only like 10 players under contract or something. It's like kind of ridiculous. All right, well, you so. break it down like that. Hooray for <laughs> void years. I just, I don't understand how a player is going to be like, man, that sounds great. And well, do you like, do you that. like money? Everyone loves money. That's the whole thing. So, so if, they, if they tell you we're going to give you more guarantees and then we're, but you just have to, you know, you're going to get them in these later contractors and you're going to have the opportunity to still sign contracts if you play good. Like that's I think the thing that people are underrating here is that like Chris Carson. Well, that's why the NFLPA has been okay with it. If he plays out of his mind, he gets to twenty twenty two. They void his contract for the last year. He's already getting one and a half million for twenty twenty three, and he can just go sign a new contract and add that one and a half million to whatever he gets. That's a great deal for Chris. It's a great deal for the Seahawks. Um, I, I I think it's a it's a total win win. But yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting that we still have room to make moves. Is there anybody you have your eye on? Let's say we already talked about Sherman last week, other than Richard Sherman, because I think that's like the obvious one, right? Is that Richard Sherman is left. Is there anybody you have your eye on, Kevin, that you would love to see come back uh, to the CLC or come to the CLC Hawks? Uh, honestly, I there's some types of players I'm looking at. I've been shying away from looking at individual players for a few reasons. For a few reasons. Number one, it's been really hard to keep track of exactly who signed. And I'm mm-hmm. tired of saying, like, this guy looks pretty, oh, he signed. Well, this guy looks pretty, oh, oh he signed too. Mm-hmm. So um, what I could see is, like, I don't know, like a like a Bashad Breeland type corner who okay. helps provide a floor at that position group. Or a Casey Hayward type, like somebody Casey, AJ Casey Hayward is still available. Yeah, Casey Hayward is still available. Uh, Darquise Denard, uh, Stephen Nelson, Casey Hayward, uh, Brian Poole. Richard Sherman, obviously. There's uh, several cornerbacks left. I like the edge, the edges that are left. Jadavian <laughs> Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Olivier Vernon, Justin Houston, Alden mm-hmm. Smith. There's some good quality edges left that, that I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that, that our current edge crop is even bad. Like, it seems like we've got a nice group of edges, but, you know, adding Jadavian Clowney or Melvin Ingram or Justin Houston isn't going to make the group worse. 
right? Yeah, I would love to see one of those guys come in in a rotation. A lot of people are saying that Melvin Ingram is probably in worse shape than we think he is, or at least I think he is. Like he's injured? Well, possibly injured or just not much left in the tank. Like the, The injuries have taken their toll on him. I don't know if that's true, and I don't know how you guys feel about that because I'm. That was a name that we circled early. I circled early. It was like, hmm, this could be a guy. Melvin Ingram went in and visited with the Chiefs, and then he left without a deal, and then they ended up getting Jaron Reed, and I think that door is completely closed now. So, yeah, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a lot of Melvin Ingram buzz out there. And you're right. Maybe it's because he's just he's kind of washed. Or he's I also done. think just a lot of the older edges are not getting a lot of love. I'm wondering if. You know, maybe they're waiting until after the uh, um, the draft. Yeah, after the draft so that they can fill the spot if they didn't get a guy they want or if the guy's more developmental or after comp pick stop being a thing. Because, you know, maybe they'll be good with Melvin Ingram, but they don't want to give um, they don't want it to factor that in their comp pick equation. Yeah, Geno Atkins, Jarrell Casey. I think the Seahawks are waiting for comp pick because they really want to make sure they get a compensatory pick for Shaquille Shaquille Griffin. Yeah, on a big contract, that could be a third, which we need draft capital. It's it's probably a fourth, but it could be a third. But either way, I mean, they really want to try to recoup some of that draft capital. So they kind of have to wait until after the draft, which is why like, they just can't do anything else. But there's good players left. And, of course, K.J. Wright could come back. That would be quite excellent as well all right that's kind of our thoughts but i would say yeah we're we're three weeks away from them making another move what's the deadline for accounting for compensatory do you know uh not off the top of my head yeah let me let me uh let me google that really quick it's last year it was last year was april 29th so i'm guessing it's probably really close to that this year uh maybe april 30th which puts it a week after the draft uh april April 27th is the date tuesday april 27th okay so yep all right so this week we're gonna do our offense our offensive draft preview that means that it's gonna be edgy and rude and we're talking uh, about edges next week no, no, no. I'm, it's offensive, Kevin. Oh, edgy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's So edgy. it's like your defense, which is offensive. Yeah. And you guys are going to have a lot of great ideas, and then you're going to knock me in the process. Offensive all the way. Can't wait. Yeah. Prepare to get offend, offended. This is a terrible bit, and I, I, I don't want to apologize for it, but I probably should. Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get into it. We're going to start with running backs. So what me and Kevin's plan here is the Seahawks don't have a lot of draft picks. I don't know if you've noticed. They have three. A second rounder, a fourth rounder, and uh, is it a sixth? sixth yeah, we're all evens. Two, four, six. And so, you know, we've been doing some mock drafts on the, uh, on the old uh, – on the old various simulators simulators uh i i think that uh yeah the simulators is pretty fun it's kind of addictive to you you start doing them and then you're just like oh this was this this is what happened this happened it's kind of fun and then you're Um, like oh what happened to the last two hours yeah so but basically you know the seahawks are probably gonna have to trade down but what kevin and i have done is there's not a big chance that the seahawks are gonna end up with a day one pick the biggest chance of that was a ty- some kind of Tyler Lockett trade to a team towards the end of the first round that is wide receiver needy like the Ravens or the or the Packers. That did not happen. And so now we're at a point where we're going to be uh we're going to be drafting in the second round at best, <laughs> right? Yep. And more more likely drafting kind of third round and on because they're going to it's going to be tough. They don't want to leave the draft with one pick. 
or well, I mean, sorry, with three picks, with three guys, that's going to be a little too light, I think, for this. And season. only a single day two pick without a lot of stabs. Like, you know, if you have like a three and a couple of fours, then you might feel like you can walk away with a couple of guys you can produce right away. But if you have one three, one four, and one six, then you're or one two yeah. one four uh, two a four and a six. You're saying like, okay, maybe get one guy, like what so, you just said. So let's get into it. We're gonna start with uh, running backs, and the way we're gonna do it is we're gonna do a day two guy and a day three guy that we each like that we think the Seahawks might be taking a peek at. They might be looking at in that day two to day three range. And I just want to first talk about a resource. It's by uh, at Crew Analytics on Twitter. Uh, it's it's a kind of the spiritual successor to that Alistair Corp. Seahawks, um, Seahawks, uh, traits spreadsheet, but it is a huge time saver. And I always would look to Alistair's spreadsheet every year to, uh, to try to save me some time in my draft research because the Seahawks have some thresholds. They have some thresholds that they like for positions. They want guys to run certain times or do certain things. And if they don't, don't they're, they're not eliminated from their board. Although sometimes at some positions they are, and we'll talk about that. There are guys they'll, they'll just straight eliminate because of traits but they're they're less flexible they got to be great at everything else if they're going to make up for the 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 thing that they um two positions that seem to have loosened up um centers with short arms that used to be a thing the seahawks didn't like it seems like it seems like this year are they're loosened up they would (laughs) jim Nagy said that hand size is more important than arm length and he's an ex-seahawks scout so I'm guessing that that might be something in a cornerback. DJ Reed obviously was awesome last year. And I do think that um, it might stop us from just being like arm length only and maybe think more about the mentality and, and kind of physicality of the position as opposed to strict uh, height arm length. But this is the offensive podcast, so cornerback probably won't come up. <laughs> um, so we got we got um, dr- uh, pro day numbers, which they were more strict about this year in terms of timing. So they're less um, BS than normal. You can tell because the running backs didn't all run four fours at their pro yeah. day. <laughs> uh, the the general consensus seems to be like, you know, if you feel shaky about the pro day, then in your head just kind of slot them one notch back. So if they ran like a four four one in your head, you're like, okay, they were they're about a four four five. Yeah, but now that I think these 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 look about right to me, to be honest with you. Like yeah, these I would agree. Numbers, based they on did a better. They did a better job this year. I feel like they took it the NFL seriously when they said like we need more legitimate measurements. And honestly, I do. think we also are seeing some dudes who um, clearly have not been able to do the normal prep you do for your pro days because I'm seeing some testing numbers that seem off to me based on their playability. So that's interesting yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so let's um let's go ahead and uh, get into it. We're going to start with Pete Carroll's favorite position. The one that makes him uh, stay up at night in the in the good way—that's running back. Oh yeah, Pete loves running backs. So we're gonna go ahead and start with running backs. Um, Kevin, who's your uh, who's your day two guy that you think the Seahawks could be targeting at running back? Okay, I know you have a draft crush. So I'm gonna leave that one for you because I know where your heart lies. And I found a guy that I really like, and that's Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. So he's about five nine two ten. That puts him about Thomas Rawl sized. Um, he ran a four, four, six, 40. He's got a lot of the athletic traits we're normally looking for. His broad was a little bit shorter, but I think everything else was pretty much in line. The big thing is when you look at him as a running back, he has a really compact build. Like think like that kind of muscle hamster build. Um, he's really tough to tackle. He is one of those guys where he doesn't have an amazing top speed, 
but he has the ability to cut at his top gear, which is like a excellent for the type of run scheme that we're doing, but B having those like shifty hips and always moving feet. He's the kind of guy who's going to do like a lot of 10 to 20 yard runs, but isn't going to get you like a 50 yard score, which I think is great for our system. Yeah. All right. Uh, I picked Javante Williams, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think that if he's available at 58, this is a player that the Seahawks would might feel it's worth just sticking in that spot for. That's um, how good he is. It With the re-signing of Carson, it's really not a need, but sometimes you just take the best player available. Um, this guy, let's. I'm just going to go over some stats. I mean, first in the nation in missed tackles forced. He had 75 missed tackles on 157 carries. Uh, and 24 receptions he can catch the ball he can run the ball he's violent he just he just destroys everyone um the biggest weakness is that we're unsure if he could handle a huge workload because he never had to do it right he always got to share time with another high quality running back in michael carter so the the thing for me is that it's he's not gonna have to you know his first two years of this in the league he would have chris carson to run with and that would be the most violent running duo in nfl history <laughs> bar bar none um javante williams actually real. reminds me a lot of chris carson um he's he's a kind of guy who doesn't bust a bunch of huge runs he's not going to get uh, a ton of uh, 15 plus yard carries although he did have 27 last year which is a lot but i don't think at the next level his long speed is going to be enough that he's gonna be putting away like 80 yard runs derrick henry style i feel like he has some runs like in that miami game that he's still finishing yeah like they're still trying to tackle him in miami it's if he gets long runs it's going to be the marshawn style run where he like ran through seven guys on his way to the end zone not the not the derrick henry where he broke one tackle and then was just gone because no one could catch him yeah, he's just not. He ran a four five eight. Like he's just not that fa- not that kind of fast. But he's very violent. He's very talented. He has tackle breaking ability that will definitely translate to the NFL level. So that's my day two guy that I think they'd stick around for. Kevin, who's your day three running back that you think the Seahawks might be uh, taking a peek at? Okay, so day three. When I think about day three running backs for the Seahawks, I think like Tracy. Um guys who could just uh, guys who are just athletes, and so athlete. That's the one. So I was looking at a bunch of guys that I like, and one that's kind of stuck with me and really interests me a lot is Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I love Juba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, and I think they're very similar backs. Um, What intrigues me about Kylan Hill, though, is he had a really weird college situation. Um, They switched to the air raid. He got in some trouble uh, in college, and so he didn't get a ton of work. And Like he got in classroom trouble? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to clarify that. And so, and, and also like, I think he ended up kind of in the coach's doghouse a little bit every now and then though. I mean, when your coach is Mike Leach, like, you know, you know, and so, (laughs) uh, what he does have is he has, uh, he like, he's fast. He's really quick and bursty. He's really explosive. He showed that he can catch the ball. He's really dangerous once he has the ball in his hands as far as like extended runs into the secondary or yards after the catch. And I feel like based on like the the number of snaps he saw in college, we didn't get to see where his ceiling was. So he's a guy who might be going higher normally, but because of all these factors that led to him not really getting to show what he can do, he could end up going like rounds four through six when maybe he's like a round two or three guy. 
All right, and then my my late round guy I'm gonna go with is um, Trey Sermon. He's oh. really bo- he's really boring. Like Trey Sermon, I can't think of one thing he does special. But then his pro day, he he hit every he hit every benchmark the Seahawks would want. He's six feet tall. He's 215 pounds. He broad jumped ten and a half. He jumped thirty seven inches high. He ran a four five seven forty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Trey Sermon's kind of boring, but. As a player who I think could come in and just play in a rotation, uh, yeah, he's good. He's not. He's not. Um, he looks sturdy, right? He's yeah. He's just oh, like he's a, a big dude. He's just That's... a big, like boring running back who's not going to. <laughs> at, at the end of the year, I don't think Trey Sermon's going to be unhealthy, which is actually like important for the Seahawks. <laughs> so, so like that's kind of what I would want him for is like, hey, at least at the end of the season, Trey Sermon will be standing. And we'll have a, a usable, like boring guy who can run in zone. He runs really well in zone zone rushing, by the way. Uh, his PFF grade in zone was eighty eight point nine compared to his gap runs were sixty nine. So like he's way better in in the like the zone scheme that we're gonna be kind of running this power zone. Yeah, stuff. my only issue with him is I think his vision kind of sucks. He's like he just misses holes. He's not a creative runner. Like you said, he's boring. So yeah. if it's like this is the hole run right here, he's like the Jared Goff of running backs. He does not fall over once he is hit, though, which he, like he keeps yeah. going. Uh, he I think he averaged uh, four yards after contact per attempt, which is really good. So, yeah, he's just a solid like. He's boring though. He's not fast. He's not super fast. He does. He's not like Javante Williams, where he's just gonna kill a guy and make him look stupid. Um, and but I think he might be available in the sixth round, or like if we trade back like the late fifth, and uh, you know, and pick up an extra pick in that round. And I would be totally fine with that. Uh, I just want a guy like the, the thing is about the Seahawks is, is I feel like our running back room. If we're taking a running back at the very end of the draft. I just want a guy who will be standing at the end of the season and just be able to provide like solid, solid reps, you know, just just some solid reps. We have the dynamic guys. We got Carson. We got Penny. They are dynamic runners if they can stay on the field. I just want a boring guy that I know that I'm pretty sure is not going to get. You want Alex Collins on a rookie deal. Uh huh. That is pretty much what I think Trey Sermon is. It's like a maybe yep. maybe there's a little more upside there, but not a lot more. I think it's Alex Collins' peak season is actually kind of good. So yeah, and I think he could do an totally do an Alex Collins like volume 1200 yard season, like he did. Uh, the thing I was into Chris Evans before, but he's rising. His stock is I think too high now. I think Chris Evans might be up to like round five round four i think he's yeah, like he's like chuba he's gonna be probably like a mid to late round four guy he keeps he keeps moving up draft boards and i'm like all right well i don't know we're just not gonna get him so i'm not worried about it okay let's head out so that was running back uh pete carroll you can turn the podcast off now i know you've gotten what you wanted uh <laughs> what <laughs> wide receivers Okay, we're down to wide receivers. Kevin, wide receiver three is actually maybe a position in need for the Seahawks. This could be one that they really go for. Uh, what what's some what's a wide receiver that you've got your eye on for the for the Seahawks? Okay, so on day two, on day two. Sorry, uh, I did something really rude and didn't um, didn't do your prompt quite right for this one because uh, in my head I looked at it kind of differently. So oh no. I looked at day two or three guys, but I kind of put them into two different pools. Because I think there's two types of receivers we could we're probably looking for. We're either looking for 
um, an outside guy who's more like a um, medium, like an intermediate and deep route guy, or we're looking for a slot guy and we're planning on playing Tyler outside a lot more, which I actually think is probably the more likely thing. So I kind of grouped him into outside receivers and slot receivers. So I I was going to say, like, I just stayed position neutral because they could draft either and make it work. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think they'll stay position neutral. Like, they'll just be like, okay, we're just going to draft the guy we want and not worry about, like, what position they play. Like, we'll just take the guy we we want. All right. So anyway, what's what's some day one guy that just... Pick one for now, and then uh, you can get. I told you at the end, I'd let you sneak as many guys in as you want. So, so, so what's a what's a day one guy that really interests you? Okay, so, um, outside receivers, uh, Dami Brown, Tylen Wallace, Nico Collins, and CB Fahoko are guys I like. And so, I'll talk about Dami Brown out of North Carolina. Nice. So he's a guy who probably would be late round two. Um, he's about six one one ninety, but he plays above his height. He's a really good athlete, uh, 38-inch vertical leap, um, has a good three-cone. He's he's shifty, and he was asked to run a pure vertical route tree at North Carolina. Like, we're talking about a, a lot of posts and goes. So he tracks the ball really well over his shoulder. Um, and one thing that's weird is that, like, you, you said, like, oh, yeah, this is a guy. And I would have said before his pro day, Diami Brown is going to get picked before the Seahawks pick. But he ran kind of a slower 40 than I think people expected. I think people expected him to to beat 4-4, and he did not. And so then he might actually be available when we pick, and is pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, he's six one. He also has almost 33-inch arms. So he's one of those guys who, between that and his vertical, he can he has the tools in place to be a good contested catch guy but he needs to learn how to do it because it was just something he didn't have to do very much in college in college he was always like two steps past his corner and they would just air the ball out and he'd run under it like think about those tyler lockett like deep bombs he caught a lot of those so we'd probably want to see him do a little bit more 50 50 contested catch work and that might be what he has to build up but for right now He's a willing and capable blocker, which is important in the scheme that we're doing. Uh, he has good yak ability. He just kind of like what we talk about with Lockett and DK, the types of catches he was making, he wasn't really allowed to show it that much. And so I think it could be a really good fit. And he, I also like that he uses his feet really well to get off press. And he just needs to kind of learn better hand technique at release. Mm, so this is this was really tough for me because like there's a lot of guys I like, but this wide receiver class is really hard to shake out from like a, a scouting perspective. Like, yeah, I just like, don't know. I'm I, I don't know what teams really think of these guys. Like I'm going to use a guy uh, you brought up. Tylen Wallace as an example of this. Mm-hmm. I could see him going anywhere from like the end of the first round all the way back to the third round. And it wouldn't, none of it would seem unreasonable to me. And there's a lot of wide receivers in this class in that range that are like, I kind of all think of them as all somewhat similar. Like it's just, yeah, there's it's, a ton of dudes where you're like, this is a late round two to early round five prospect. Yeah. Which is it, just it, dumb. It's kind of a tough group to, to really shake out. And so I, I've really had, um, really had a problem, <laughs> problems, 
uh, like with the round thing. Like I, when I was thinking about the, that's why I that cheated I, and did it the way I did. <laughs> that's why I, when I was thinking about the prompt for this p- specific pos- position, I was like, Hmm, this is tough. Like, do I, do I pick a guy that I think could fall or do I pick a guy that I know will be there? And so I'm going to go ahead and go with um, a guy that I think could fall. Um, Elijah Moore is small. He's really good. He played at Mississippi. He ran a 4-3-5, which maybe will put him slightly out of range. But uh, what I like about him is that DK Metcalf retweets like basically everything about him. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it gets me and it gets me real fired up, fired up for him. Uh, but he's just a, he's just a really solid all around kind of slot prospect. And he's able to, he was able to create the seventh most deep yards of any wide receiver in the nation last year he was ninth with 11 deep catches last year tied for ninth um from the slot he's able to get vertical and and stretch the defense and i think that that is really really something that will help the seahawks offense the thing about elijah moore is he's a pure slot guy um he played 38 snaps versus press all of 2020 uh and the thing the reason i think he might fall is because of his height he's really pretty short he's 5'9 and overall, with, pretty small. He's like same 175. With like, same with like Rondale Moore, but Rondale Moore's physical tools are so crazy that I mm-hmm. just think there's no effing way that he gets out of the out of the first. Uh, he jumped five inches higher than Elijah Moore, and or six and a half inches higher and five inches farther in the broad. Like that's crazy. Uh, so yeah, um, Elijah Moore is kind of like a like a I don't know like a Cole Beasley type where he could he's he's tough. He plays inside. He's small, but he can make a lot happen. And I would really love to see him. Uh, find his way onto the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Oh, and one thing too, like Great Elijah Moore, he gets destroyed sometimes and ne- does not drop the ball. Yep. Um, just gets murdered. Uh, so there you go. There's a there's a player underneath player I really like. If he falls, I could see the Seahawks sticking around 58 to, to pick an Elijah Moore. All right, Kevin, what's a day three prospect at wide receiver? You left out you... my favorite Elijah Moore fact. Oh, what is it? He also got penalized in the Egg Bowl, the Mississippi Mississippi game, for uh, after scoring oh, a touchdown, yeah. crawling over the goalpost and trying to pee on it like a dog. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought Eric needed to know that so he knew who his favorite wide receiver prospect was. I was, was. going to say this is honestly Kevin does find these little things for me. He explains yeah. he explains some college stats so I'll understand them, and then he gives me these great tidbits. Thank you. A couple years ago, I gave you Dancing Bear. You know. It's <laughs> We talked uh, uh, last year about how Cam Curl uh, got in trouble for hitting on the opposing uh, team's cheerleaders. Yes. So uh, this guy that I'm going to bring up, uh, who I think works in that slot role, but I think is um, he, he's going to be pro- he's going to be a lot later, and he's a guy that I would hope might fall into late round four, round five for us. Is Amari Rogers out of Clemson? Amari Rogers has a is a guy I could see falling for um, a really stupid NFL reason. And that is because he's 5'10", 212, and literally just looks like a running back. And so there'll be NFL coaches who are like, well, that guy looks like a running back. I don't know what to do with him, which is a really dumb reason for someone to fall and totally an NFL reason why someone might fall. He's going to start off as like a pure slot and return guy. He's going to be really good on like underneath routes, jet sweeps, screens. That's going to be some immediate value. And that's something that our new style of offense is going to utilize a lot but he's probably going to be a pretty pure slot guy to begin with but he's got a really like stout build and i think pairing him up with tyler lockett tyler's a guy who could show him how to play a little better on the outside because 
I think he has the, the athleticism and the skills in place to be able to play outside. I just, it's something he wasn't really called on to do a lot. Um, he did it a little bit more in 2020 because of wide receiver injuries and stuff, but it's, it's not really been his big role. So he could come in, he could be a slot guy. He can block cause he's again, he's really stout so he can block for a wide receiver really well. Um, he provides some athletic upside and he's like a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And he's a guy I think could, could develop as an outside guy. Okay. Um, I, it's so hard. This is like, I hate this, this point. Uh, let's go with a, a day three UDFA guy that no one's talking about. A guy that hit every physical marker that the Seahawks look for in an outside wide receiver, Kevin. He is six foot five. He's 219 pounds. He is, we did an 11 foot one inch broad jump, a 40 and a half inch vertical leap. He ran a 4-4-3-40. He's a 4-3-1 short shuttle, 6.5 cone. It's Jacob Harris from Central Florida. The problem with what's the Kevin? Tell her, do you know the problem with Jacob Harris from Central Florida? The problem with Jacob Harris from Central Florida? Yeah. Um, is this guy? Is this the old guy, or is this guy who just never played? Football? So Simi Fajoko is the old guy. Yeah, he, he went on the LDS mission. Yeah, he this he just hasn't played that much. Okay, yeah, Jacob reg- Harris is the guy who's played like almost no snaps. Thirty receptions for five hundred thirty nine yards and eight touchdowns. Like that's that's it. Like he just doesn't has hardly he uh, had one 100 yard game in college. Like it just he just didn't play a lot. And so the question becomes, but that's why he's a day three prospect. His physical tools are out of control, though. And it'd be I think it'd be cool to try to develop someone like that. Um, So, yeah, that's that's my guy. There you go. All right. Let's go to tight end. Ugh. There's there's a good tight end in this draft, but we're not going to get to pick him. There's actually a couple of good ones that will be way gone by the time we. Can. I think there's one great one and one guy who would be considered first round worthy if Kyle Pitts didn't exist. Yeah, Frymuth is good, but I think by the time we're drafting, if we traded back in the third or if he managed to fall to the fourth, I think Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame is mm-hmm. a great um, like H back flex tight end. Uh, his athletic profile is really similar to Gerald Everett except he's on a rookie deal. And I think he's a better blocker out the gates than, um, than ever it was. He's really physical. Uh, he can dominate DBs and linebackers, <laughs> excuse me, and even occupy an edge pretty well. Uh, he could play inline split out or in the backfield. He has experience with all of those. He was just kind of overshadowed by some big time guys. So his productivity doesn't really match. But I think he's a really good move tight end, and he'd be a really good fit for our system. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Hunter Long from Boston College mm-hmm. uh, as my day two guy. He's really big, 6'5", 250, and he runs really – he moves really well for a guy that big. Uh, for, in a 4'7", 140. Uh, he ran the short shuttle in 4'4", 2. Um, he's kind of a – right now he's kind of just a guy, but he, he produced in college, and he can do all the – the stuff <laughs> like there's not they're not gonna you're not gonna throw something at this guy and he's just gonna totally not be able to do it um he's his athleticism is not like an a plus but he did test better than i think most people expected do so you maybe want the kiss of death yeah give it to me you know who you reminded me of a lot and a guy that i actually really like when we picked him uh who nick vanette i actually think the, the nick vanette thing was was weird it was weird that he never did more right i agree 
I, I uh, thought he was a good pick when we did it, and Hunter Long reminds me of it. He's like a good <laughs> traditional tight end. Yeah, he's just like a guy, a normal guy. <laughs> <laughs> you like you like that? You like that? He's just a normal. He's uh, I, this is the second time I've done this to someone. Uh, sorry, Trey Sermon. Sorry, Hunter Long. You're just normal. Eric, this is your uh, this is your guys. Mark Bruner tight end. <laughs> <laughs> just, of all people just a, just a guy all right yeah. uh, uh, what was the guy's last name uh france that used to play tight end for seattle yeah all right, all right. kevin what do you got what do you got for your like do you have another tight end that you like i, nope. I will say that this tight end class is exceptionally thin uh does not feel super great like uh i think there's a poo poo platter deluxe worth of um interesting udfas that I really okay. hope, but probably you know who, think we're going to spend a seventh on. You know who I like to watch block? Bri- Briley Moore. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how good he is as a tight end, <laughs> but but he's a real good blocker. Like Briley Moore gets after it in the in the run game and just like destroys dudes. That's pretty cool. Um, but like he, he he offers even less in the passing game than like Hunter Long does. Yeah. and Hunter, Hunter Long already is kind of just like a really boring. Uh, <laughs> pass catcher. I don't. I don't. I don't say Hunter Long is ineffective, but like, just I don't know what what he even is in the pros. Like, how about like Nick Eubanks, who you look at his athletic profile and you're like, wow, that guy seems pretty good. And then you look at his production, he didn't do anything. His, but he his, looks like a tight end. But he's also his, gonna be uh, like 25. So one thing I noticed when I watched his tape was that Nick Eubanks is really slow, like in and out of his breaks, and, like yep. his his routes and stuff. And then he ran like a terrible short shuttle in three cone, which kind of like confirmed my my worst kind of expectations for him, right? Like I was just like, oh, that's too that's too bad. <laughs> that's good. actually what about John Bates out of Boise State? Sure. Um, kind of similar to Hunter Long, where he's just he's not gonna do it. But I actually think Bates can move. Bates just kind of he, real quick. It, I don't his, think Eubanks uh, three cone was terrible though. But his short shuttle was yes, yeah. His three cone was just well. Seven three two is not great. At Seahawks look for seven one right in their in their tight ends. So it's like it's not like awesome. It just Bates beat seven one in the three cone. He got six point eight five, dude. John Bates is moving. Uh, oh, I, I have seven o three from PFF. Uh, I'm looking, which at is that. a very different one. Yeah, maybe he ran twice, or I don't know. On mine. <laughs> Yeah, the difference between seven oh three and seven three two is good I, three cone, terrible three cone. Yeah, so that's what I have in this one. I don't know who's who's right on. Is it the is it a at Crew Analytics or is it Pro Football Focus? I'm actually going to bet on Crew Analytics on that one because, to be honest, I don't trust. Hey, PFF watches every three cone. <laughs> they watch each cone. But I think Bates could all be three t- of them have their own guy. Bates could be like a totally like a um like our, our guy that we have now. Uh the the big dub tight end. It could be like a Disley. Because the way he gets downfield and catches after the like he's not gonna break a million tackles or like outrun guys once he catches the ball, but he can get downfield and kind of threaten vertically in a way that I think it's interesting. All right. Yeah, I think uh, Long is kind of like Disley too in that way where he could catch an underneath pass, and if somebody's like not guarding him very closely, he'll just turn straight up field and run past dudes. Honestly, we spent way too much time talking about a very medium yep. tight end class. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Brevin Jordan, by the way? That's someone who like could uh, fall to us uh, or could be available in the third round. 
and that uh, people people seem to love. Brevin Jordan worries me because I don't know if he can actually threaten a team with tight end stuff enough for them to treat him like a tight end. I think they might just treat him like a slot receiver and put a safety on him and then he can't get open. And he's not, he can Dar- get open and he's not Darren linebacker. Waller where he can actually beat a safety over and over. Like I a- think Tommy Tremble's just kind of better Brevin Jordan. Oh, dang. That's that's a call right there. I like that. I like that. That's like getting on a corner because I don't think – I think that many people would see Brevin Jordan as like a like a really good receiver and like good run-after-catch guy, but like someone who needs a lot of uh, work everywhere else. Um, so, yeah, I like that. I like that you're making a call there. Um, okay, offensive tackles. Uh, or do you want to do interior offensive line first? Uh, let's do offensive tackles because I have a take. Okay, go ahead. All right. So, uh, day two, do you want to draft somebody that's probably actually a guard, or do you want to just really hope somebody falls? Because I feel like we're doing one of those two things. Yeah, I'm hoping someone falls. And I, I can I say who it is? Can I just go first on this one? By all means. I hope it's Sam Cosme. Dude, oh, man, I would love that. I don't think Sam, there's a chance, but that'd be Sam awesome. Sam Cosme is like the greatest. <laughs> like, Sam I watch Cosme him and I'm super like, super legit. Oh. I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's the right tackle of the future. This is our guy right here. Because, I, yeah, you're right. Like, unless Leatherwood or Cosme falls, like you're really stretching the the limit of what you're calling a, an offensive tackle. And this it's is a real, really stupid thing, but you can't have 32 inch arms and start a tackle in the NFL. It's incredibly you're you have There's to be, one. You have to be the guy. He's he's a uh, he's available as your Sewell is the guy that can do that because you have to be a ridiculous athlete, like an athlete of an absurd level. And uh, what, what what are his arm? What's his arm length? Like 32 and a half, 33? Like they're pretty short, right? Yeah. Uh, he's over 33, uh, which means that he's in the safe zone. It's just there's... Like, his arms are pretty short, though. Like uh, He's still growing, though, which is so dumb. Yes, he's 20. <laughs> Life is freaking weird. Yeah, he's uh, 33 <laughs> and a quarter, which right. kind of... And like Cosme's 33, but I think those are both acceptable. Yeah, Cosme... If he falls, it's going to be because his arms are short. Everything else is good. 36 bench reps, four point. Uh, he jumped high. He jumped far. He's 314. He's six foot five. Um, what do I like about Samuel Cosme, though? He's just like an amazing athlete. And he played so much so you can watch like infinite tape on him. And uh, yeah, in multiple I think systems, he, I think he'll be really good in our system. Like, so I think he's good in like the zone power, like thing that we're going to try to do where he's just going to get out in space and just destroy everyone. And um, yeah, I think, I think he'll be good. I think his athletic profile is not super different from Dwayne Brown. Yeah, I tend to agree. And so, yeah, I'm Sam Cosme is the guy I want to fall to us at the end of round two, a guy I think that we would, would be worthy of sticking at in our spot for. Yep. Uh, Kevin, did you, uh, do you have anyone else for, uh, for guys that are kind of day two, uh, so if we traded back a couple guys i think could be interesting where maybe we can play them at tackle but they're probably guards uh jackson carmen out of clemson uh he's really big he's physical he carries like 320 330 like it's nothing like he just kind of has that huge frame um he was really productive in college Uh, a lot of quality starts at clemson he moves really well for his size uh, the big thing is, as a tackle, he can struggle against outside speed rushers, and he kind of overextends himself trying to get like depth in his kick slide. 
so that they don't get around him to the quarterback and he opens himself up to inside moves or like let's say the edge is making a stunt so the edge starts running upfield and then does a crossover with the defensive tackle um because jackson carmen has trouble getting depth in his uh pass blocking set um he can sometimes miss the block on those stunts now that's something we're sliding into guard could make that better so I, I really like Jackson Carmen as a possible guard conversion, but he could play right tackle for us. All right. I'm thinking from, oh, sorry, you have another one. Oh, and then Brady Christensen is a pretty similar eval, except I think he'd probably be worse at guard. My day three guy is someone who uh, I want. So basically what I looked for here was I was like, who's someone who we can get in rounds like four, five, six, seven, who uh, probably wouldn't play, would be behind shell and, uh, and Brown, but maybe could long-term has the physical traits to to be a starting left tackle, Kevin. Can you guess who I picked? Spencer Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Spencer Brown. <laughs> One thing that's weird about Spencer Brown is when you watch him play, you think that guy, you don't think that guy is, is, is uh, the tallest person in the entire world. That You don't think that guy's 6'9". You know what I mean? Or oh, that dude's huge. Six eight point uh, six eight point two or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but uh, he's a gigantic. But he gets so low in his stance that he can actually play with leverage, uh, which is nice. And I mean, it's all physical tools. Uh, his arms are long. He's very tall. He jumps really high. He, jump, he runs really fast. Yeah, he did twenty nine bench reps with his gigantic arms and and uh, which is impressive and stuff. So yeah. Uh, it's, it's, Spencer, Spencer Brown, someone to keep an eye on. It's like a, the thing I like about Spencer Brown is, like I said, we could bench him completely, just be like, okay, you learn from Dwayne Brown. Just be his shadow. Watch everything he does. And uh, that that's totally a viable, a totally viable strategy for, for him. So I have another guy that I think is exactly the same as that. My day three tackle is uh, Deontay Smith out of East Carolina. Who's also he's six five? He has thirty five inch arms. He came in a little bit light, but he has a frame that could add weight. And he was athletic. He moves really well, but he's he just a super, super developmental good. guy. Like he's a, he's a really good zone blocker, and he could be. He's actually probably a better left tackle than right tackle in our system. So, I think he needs to get stronger too. So like yeah. a year just like doing weights. We could the, trust with... Ivan Lewis with. Oh fuck. <laughs> Uh, can can uh, a, de- a year of weights with the boys actually though could be like something that really benefits him quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. Um, all right. Finally, 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 we get to go to the the crown jewel. Oh wait, we have one more position after this. I forgot. Uh, interior offensive line. Okay, interior offensive line. How could you forget? I thought that was the crown jewel. I thought you were setting up all interior offensive line with that comment. No, no, no. I said we have one after the crown jewel. Interior offensive line is the crown jewel because the Seahawks need interior offensive line. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we the thing about the Seahawks is they have the flexibility to draft a guard or center depending on how they feel about Damian Lewis playing center. Uh, so they, they actually have flex at some level of flexibility here to to make a move depending on what they feel like the player available is so i thought it'd be fine to just lump them all together so here we go kevin uh who is a uh who's a i would rather draft a center because damian Same. lewis is like pretty battle tested guard at this point we know he's good uh whereas uh moving him to center does have some risk to it although i thought he was really good in that arizona game i went back and watched it again just to like make sure i wasn't crazy <laughs> and i thought it was com- i thought he was completely fine so I think that either way, like I said, they'll they'll uh, they'll be fine here. But Kevin, who's your uh, who's your day two interior offensive lineman? Okay, so two guards I'll mention are Trey Smith and Ben Cleveland. I would love to get in round three because they're gigantic. But 
uh, there's a pair of centers on day two I really like. I think Landon Dickerson's going to go too high for us, but a torn ACL might drop him down into our range. I'm going to go with Creed Humphrey, though. Uh, Oklahoma center Creed Humphrey, he had really good athletic testing numbers. Um, he's really good at blocking as part of a unit. Like He's one of those centers who can help set everybody else up. He has a good anchor against power. Uh, he was a high school wrestler, so he has really good upper body strength and really good hands. He could probably play guard as well as center. And the big thing is, he's one of those guys who just doesn't really fail. Like He just doesn't put very many bad reps on tape. He had some trouble against some of like the Puna Ford type build nose tackles. And he could get better in space. But really, especially in pass blocking sets, he just doesn't lose very much. He's a really stable hand and a really solid guy who I think could step in and be a starter right away. Kevin, you want to ride the lightning on day two with Quinn Meniers? Uh, uh No, I do. Let's I put him. It. I put him as a. I put him as a day three prospect. So that tells oh, okay. you where I think of him. I think that he'll probably go in round three. But, but I agree. Uh, but he is an exciting prospect because of the athleticism. And uh, one thing that, that's tough for him is that he he was nothing. No one had him in mind at all. And then the Senior Bowl, he crushed it. And it honestly played really good in that game and went head to head with some quality nose tackles. And I think got people excited and i do think that there's something to just like hey this guy he never really had a shot to show what he could do and he finally got his shot and was able to take it also he's just a great meme worthy player would fit right in with nick Belor. and so so for, <laughs> for that reason i'm into it i'm ready let's do it uh let's go get him and then uh all right day three interior offensive lineman kevin okay two guys that i really like uh david moore out of grambling would be a guard center conversion, but this is a guy who, um, if the Pokemon Voltorb was an interior offensive lineman, it would be David Moore. Can I can I just say that? Mm-hmm. So he's he's just he's large. Um, he might be more barrel chested than Damian Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, but he's only six one and he has thirty four inch arms. So kind of he's like Puna Ford's build, only he plays offensive line. So I think that's pretty cool. And I think you'd be good as a center conversion, but you'd be converting him to center because his experience comes at guard. The guy who I think is a great fit, though, is Kendrick Green out of Illinois. So Kendrick Green, 6'4", 315. He ran a 48540, which is kind of insane for his size. Um, he's really good size, moves really well. His athletic profile is ideal for zone blocking at center or guard. Um, he just needs a lot of work with his technique. Like he catches instead of punching with his hands. Um, he gets his hands to the outside so the defender gets to his chest. He has a really good anchor. He moves to the second level really well, but then he'll miss blocks there. So I think he just needs coached up. He was at Illinois, and Illinois like couldn't afford great coaches. Um, I'm going to go with Drew Dahlman. I think he just needs to gain weight. <laughs> Cause yeah, I like the gets, Austin Blythe gets, comp on him. He gets like beat a lot on tape, and it's because he's not big. He has like no no anchor. Like He just does yeah. not... He needs to like get a bigger butt and like just not get knocked over <laughs> like that. But like he's he really moves in in zone schemes and is really really good in in the running scheme that we would run. And so I think, yeah, I think and he Drew looks Dahlman, like the kind of guy who could gain weight. Like he's not like a um, he did thirty three bench reps. He's That's not like lot. Joey Hunt. Like Joey Hunt was never going to get bigger. He just didn't have the frame to get bigger. I, I agree with you. I think Drew Dahlman could get bigger. 
Yeah, he just needs to like he just needs to gain weight. He's six three. He's not he's not small. You, you know? just need butts and plants. Yeah. Yeah, he just needs to get do some squats. Somewhere Israel Donage is confused by what you're saying. <laughs> okay, so let's go with um quarterbacks now. So like very quickly, um I do think that the Seahawks should draft like if a if a Kellen Mond is available in the fourth round or something like that, yes, you draft him. Uh but otherwise it's UDFA City. Uh you know, you might take a look at like Ian Book. I think who I think is like kind of interesting as a UDFA career backup style prospect. Yeah, or Sam Ellinger is kind of the same player as Ian Book. I like Ian Book better, but yeah, you're right. There's not like a huge difference. Um, yeah. The who else? Uh, don't don't pick Felipe Franks, uh, or even as a UDFA. Um, Agree. Um, Davis Mills is a guy where if he drops like the fourth or fifth. Yep, I could totally could see. Be interesting. Pick, pick Davis Mills in a mid 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 round pick, and just the thing about those guys is people might be like, "Oh, why would you spend a fourth rounder on Kellen Mond?" Because two years from now, if Kellen Mond makes noise in a preseason game, we can trade him for a second round pick, and now we turned our fourth round pick into a second round pick, or even a first round pick. You know, if he makes enough noise, if Russ misses a game and he throws for three hundred yards, all of a sudden you got Jimmy G style situation, right? Creeping <laughs> up. Um, Real quickly, the top quarterbacks in the in the draft. I do want to get this because I think it's uh, important. And it does affect down some C- corners. And it does affect the Seahawks because the Seahawks are um, are going to play against the 49ers who are drafting one of these guys uh, several times. So, okay, Trevor Lawrence, start there. Um, my thing about Trevor Lawrence is he makes every throw. He's so good uh, at, at making every throw. Like, I cannot express to you guys – the thing about Trevor Lawrence is he has put, you know, three seasons on tape, which a lot of these guys have not. And so everyone gets to go into these three seasons of tape where he played since he was a freshman and played a lot and played really high level competition. And they just try to like pick nits, you know, oh, Trevor Lawrence can't do this or can't do that. Or, oh, look at this bad one bad throw he made. Trevor Lawrence is really good. I think if you built a quarterback in a lab, you might just build something very close to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so yeah, Trevor Lawrence, good. That's that's my take. And it's not a hot, particularly hot take. I'm sorry, even though I know people probably expected me to bag on him because he's too tall, but that I just can't. He's just too good. He's so accurate. He's so good. And plus, he's yeah. fast and more athletic than you think. Like you forget that he's a legitimate athlete because it just seems like he shouldn't be. Because if he was like just a straight up drop back passer he would still probably be the number one pick. But then it's like, oh, yeah, he also, you know, runs legit 40, and you can watch him literally running away from an elite Ohio State defense in a uh, NCAA playoff game. All right, Zach Wilson. Um, Is that your number two? I mean, he's the number two. He's going to get picked number two, so he might as well. Okay. Go go, go in the order of the NFL. Um, I like Zach Wilson. I came around on him quite a bit because the only college game I watched from him last year was Coastal Carolina, and he played like trash in that game. And so I thought, this guy is trash. Um, some things I like about Zach Wilson is that he can make throws that very few other people can make. Is real, they're real snappy, but he overtrusts his arm talent, and so sometimes he he he'll he'll make an off balance throw that he shouldn't really be making, and it won't go the way that he wants to. And I think that that's going to lead to some level of of mistakes. Um, because he's not setting his feet real good and he's not he's just he can make that throw but not everyone should make those throws does, does that make sense yeah like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it a lot and he does it a lot 
and more maybe more than he should um but yeah and another thing is is that like he's he hasn't played a bunch of really good teams like i think that yeah he played but like last year he, he did not play. They did not play like Boise State, Coastal great. Carolina, and UCF are probably the three best teams he played. Yeah, and, they, and he, he, there's games like that UTSA UTSA game where it's like, eh, he did not play that good in this game, and that's not like super high level talent. But it doesn't matter. I mean, he can he. There's a lot of potential there, and um, yeah, I think that I think he's good. He's really good. So yeah, Zach Wilson is deserves to be in the top ten. I would probably if I was ranking them, I would put Fields ahead of him, but. But I don't think it's that there's a huge gap there. I think that it's kind of a wash. So, yeah, Zach Wilson, there you go, number two. Uh, I Kevin, think what do you think? You and I are pretty much in alignment now on the Wilson Fields thing, where it's like uh, Lawrence is clear number one, and Fields and Wilson are like two A, two B for me. And like I, I'm not going to nitpick too hard on which one way you put it. Um, the big thing with Wilson, I agree. Uh, when he kind of gets rushed like he makes really good throws and really good off platform throws and really good throws on the run except sometimes like his mechanics just break down and he like and he's throwing it purely with his arm which Mm -hmm. is not something that you want and so he's really accurate and he's really good at timing routes and stuff but then he'll get greedy and try and like fling one off his elbow to a guy in triple coverage and you're like why are you doing that you you're fast enough like he's like Andrew Luck scrambler where he can like pick you up 10 15 yards on like if if the defense doesn't respect it and instead he'll be like no 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 I'm going to like jump flip pass 40 yards in the air downfield into triple coverage instead and they just like somebody just needs to like smack him in the head and make him not do that all right uh Justin Fields uh, I'm just, I just want to be on this corner. Uh, people are like, Oh, Justin Fields, uh, he can't read a defense. Okay. Like if the, if the offense runs like a, like a, um, like a, a play where all the guys are running routes on the right side of the field, it's not going to surprise me that he never looks back to the left to see what's going on over there. Okay. It's like they're running these half field concepts. Of course he just stays on the right side. If he completes the throw accurately, guess what? He made the right read. This is not effing rocket science like you it's just unbelievable to me how people so many uh twitter draft guys just think like okay well to to read a defense you have to like look all around the field and see what's going on that's how i know the quarterback's reading the defense it's like no not at all like he if we're running a half field concept on just the right side of the field then the the way we know he read the defense correctly is if he did he complete the throw and there is very few quarterbacks in the entire nation who are as accurate as Justin Fields. Justin Fields completed his adjusted completion percentage last year, 80.8%, second in the nation. This guy is incredible. And I think what my biggest gripe with this whole draft process is how Justin Fields has getting, getting, been getting knocked down because it doesn't make any sense to me. The guy played hurt. He played and he played good. Um, he's really, he's like super, he put a ton of super awesome stuff on tape. Yeah, there's a few stuff. The Northwestern game, I think, is what everyone points to and says, like, well, he was really bad in this game. But, like, yeah, okay, sure. He was bad in the Northwestern game. But Against the, a good defense. I don't think Northwestern is as bad as everyone acts like it is. It's not It's not like they're they're as good as Coastal Carolina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm into Justin Fields. I think he's really good. I would, for me, he's actually, like, the, I think he's better than Wilson. I wouldn't fault someone for going with Wilson because of the, uh, 
off-platform throws that Wilson put on tape. And Justin Fields, you see him at his pro day, he made like the same off-platform style throws that Wilson does, but he doesn't really do that in games. Like when he's under pressure in games, he kind of falls apart. He's much better when he stays in the pocket, and which is weird because he ran a 4-4-40, and you think like, oh, this guy is fast, so he should... I think that his thing should be like stay in the pocket and then if there's a gap, just like run fast because I'm very fast. But he shouldn't be playing outside of the outside of the pocket a whole lot. He's better when he stays in the pocket and kind of does his thing. I like Justin Fields. I think he's great. There you go. <laughs> Kevin? Yeah, the reason I put Zach Wilson over Justin Fields is because I think Zach Wilson was asked to do a more NFL style read system at BYU. So I think it's just easier to see some of his stuff translate. What Justin Fields has is he's an elite athlete. Run a four four forty, like that's dumb. And on top of that, he has a really good arm. This is not a um, Lamar Jackson will teach him how to throw situation. Like Justin Fields can already throw really well. He can make accurate throws deep or short. Um, he can put it on a dime on some of his deep passes. Sometimes he overtrusts his arms or his arm and he goes for like a really big play and it burns him. Um, the read progression system from Ohio state is kind of feeding into the narrative. Like you said, it's a lot of like read one side of the field or, and I heard a lot of the same criticism, read one, read two, throw kind of thing. Yeah. And like, there were times where that was a problem. And if you go back and double check the tape, uh, Samuel gold did a good job of explaining, where you can see that he took coaching on how to read and improved as the season went along, which I think is a really good thing. And I think coaches will like to see that, but he needs to improve his NFL reads. He needs to improve his pocket awareness, but that's also just called being a college quarterback. So I put him a little bit below Wilson because I think he's a little less safe, but honestly, the guy that he reminds me of a lot as a prospect is Deshaun Watson. And that's a pretty good guy to be comp to. Name players in Big Ten history with 40 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns. Justin Fields, that's the list. Okay, Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance. Here's the thing about Trey Lance, okay? Uh, Physical tools are amazing, but it reminds me a lot of Josh Allen because there's a lot of mystery here. Uh, He only attempted 288 passes in his full season, and were they good passes? Yeah, 67% completion percentage, 28 touchdowns versus zero interceptions. But something Trey Lance does that you can clearly see on tape is he knows that he doesn't have to throw if he doesn't want to because he'll just run away from all of these subpar athletes that he's playing with. And that's fine. That's You know what you got. And But I think it, it does remind me of Allen, where I think this time, I think before in my process, I would have said, okay, um, this guy's got a huge arm, but he, he's not super accurate and he's, he's hesitant and I don't like it. Whereas – now I'm like, okay, well he can run over people. So who cares? Like he'll always have that in his back pocket to get like six yards on every play. Like Josh Allen does as long as he can take the beating. Um, so that's, that's kind of um, where I'm at Trey Lance. I think some team will, some team will trade up with Atlanta and take him at four. That's my prediction is that some team is going to be like, yeah, we want Trey Lance and we'll come up to four to get him. So and it might be Carolina because Carolina, I have a feeling, yeah, they traded for Darnold, but that might be like a one year thing. Like, hey, let's see what we got with Darnold. And Trey Lance is the perfect guy to be like, no, you're not going to play right away. We're going to sit you down. And then Darnold just sucks for eight games. They go one and seven. They lock up that top draft pick for the next year. And then they can throw Trey Lance out there at the end of the season to kind of get him acclimated after eight games of watching Sam Darnold fail. 
that's that's kind of um right they did kind of trade a lot for sam darnold to not give him a real chance though that's that's the that's the only problem with that yeah uh, do you have Trey Lance, any other Trey Lance thoughts kevin uh i think he's clearly fourth out of what i consider to be a big four spoilers i guess kind of um and i think the josh allen comp is good the big thing is i have bigger concerns about his accuracy than i think you do i think that he's a genuinely inaccurate thrower um, I think that part of it was made up for by the fact that like he was playing at a world beater program in North Dakota State where his receivers just got very open. And well, so also they can make they adjustments running, to his inaccurate passes. They're running all the time, too. So guys are very yep. open because they just ran a lot. And I think that kind of disguised some of it. But the fact is his physical gifts are extremely good. And so if his accuracy develops which is something that I have to admit can develop more in the NFL than I used to think could, um, then he could be a really good is a really good quarterback. And I think his bag of tools is worth spending a first-round pick on, um, a high first-round pick. If he goes in the top 10, I think he's worth the pick. All right. Mac Jones sucks under pressure, sucks throwing deep. Uh, so he's, he's Derek Carr again. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you want to draft Derek Carr? Yeah, maybe if you're drafting in the middle or the end of the first round. But if San Francisco picks him at three that's a total fail the ceiling of mac jones is Derek carr the floor of mac jones is not very much lower than that aj mccarron no he i think he'll be a usable nfl quarterback in some way he'll just uh who's a guy who like played a little wasn't too bad uh because bridgewater there you go teddy bridgewater is probably the floor like it's just it's not great but it's i don't know it's just there's uh, i would he throws off his back foot he's terrible off script He's so bad under pressure. I cannot stress this enough. Although San Francisco has a great offensive line. That yeah, if you can give him time to throw. The other thing is is that he's inaccurate on deep throws. They are they really And I think he's much less accurate than Derek. Like he would have to develop as a deep passer to be as good as Derek Carr. Derek Carr just doesn't pass deep. It's not that he can't. The thing about Mac Jones too is that I just don't, would not understand trading up for him because you traded three first round picks to go from from Jimmy Garoppolo to other Jimmy Garoppolo. Like it, it's, there's not a big difference between these two players to me. So I have so, a question. <laughs> uh, how would you feel? Cause I feel like it's a little bit rich, but I would understand why. What about Denver picking up a nine? If they choose not to move yeah. anywhere and they just draft Mac Jones, I still think that's like 10 picks higher than I want, but I get it. I think like new England at 15 is like the range where I'm like, okay, okay. I'm feeling it. Uh, yeah. All right, now we spent way too much time on this podcast, so we're going to go into the uh, money zone. There are many ways to support the Seahawks in this podcast. The best way to do so is head over to pay, uh, only12s.com, uh, become a patron, be like lazy, be a new patron, uh, give us that uh, that $1.24 a month to get the uh, monthly uh, monthly the holiday podcast. podcasts, and then also in-season the weekly gambling thoughts podcast uh thank you to all of the patreons there's 72 now we're doing pretty good i want to get to 100 though so we can add video uh so that would be lucas brett cooper greta james carrie uh, ryan tom mike brandon nick sam emmanuel bob eb Floctimus, keith Foles, jay karen michelle mike richard thomas warwolf okay and also uh we have yearly pledges now so if you're like hey i want to i want to pledge but i want a discount well you can do that there you get you get a uh, percentage discount for uh, doing i think i made the discount 12 percent off if you do yearly <laughs> get it <laughs> hey oh nice right, so so um yeah that's that uh okay 
uh, this is this is gonna have to be fast. Uh, we so what we're not gonna we're not gonna do a movie today. Uh, I'm I put a thing in the chat. Click it. Uh, we're we're going to do a, a, a eliminator donut eliminator. Uh, the, it was requested on the Discord. Uh, I made the list and then I like was like I can use this when we are short on time at some point. And this is <laughs> it happened to be this today. is that time. All right, so here's the list. Uh, these are the uh, most popular donuts according to some website I found, and then we each will get to add uh, let's say one donut. Uh, apple fritter, bear claw, Boston cream, chocolate with sprinkles, chocolate bar, chocolate glazed, uh, which is a cake donut, uh, cinnamon sugar cake donut, cinnamon twist, cruller, custard filled, double chocolate glazed, uh, ring, jelly filled, lemon cream, maple bar, old fashioned, a Pershing, which is like that cinnamon roll made out of donut dough, uh, powdered donut, raised sugar ring, strawberry jelly, vanilla frosting with sprinkles. All right. Uh, Eric, what do you want to add? Anything? I mean, do we have just the the simple cake with icing? Yeah, that's that would be like the uh, the vanilla frosting with sprinkles. I guess thing. so. Yeah. No, I'm fine. Unless You're we want to, unless we want to add a Krispy Kreme to eliminate it immediately. No. Uh, I was uh, say that'd be a snap eliminate for me. All so. right, uh, Kevin, what do you want to add? I actually don't feel like I need to add one to it either. I feel like it's a pretty good list. Okay, let's add. I'm gonna add a couple. I'm gonna add Cronut, like the croissant style donut, because I think they're really good, and uh, I think they're kind of. Uh, fun to think about i'm gonna add the bacon maple bar because i want to hear our thoughts on it um and i think it's like a, a popular style of of a uh, of donut that kind of gets thrown around but i there is one i need to add one from my heart one that i love and that is the buttermilk bar this list was incomplete without <laughs> it and now it is complete all right do you guys know the buttermilk bar you know you've talked about it before but i don't think i've ever had it i'm not familiar with it naming wise what makes something a buttermilk bar okay so a buttermilk bar is a donut but like when it's fried and then there's like this middle part that um is like a little bit uh i would say gooey Um, so it's doughy in the middle yeah but like it's hard to describe i'm gonna show you a picture of it uh and maybe you guys will um will have seen it before so here's a picture in the chat um so this is the kind of thing i'm thinking of uh you know what that didn't work that thing i sent you did not work Here, try, this. <laughs> nope. try the next one did that work that one worked okay so go. this is oh okay this is, yeah these are buttermilk bars and they're like so good all right if you never had one you should try one okay let's go ahead and uh let's start eliminating kevin go ahead okay i am going to eliminate the powdered donut Nice. Uh, dry dry mouth right off the bat. Yep. It, it, it. Any donut that requires me to drink something other than coffee is a uh, straight up out for me. Did you know that the world record for powdered donuts requires you to not drink any liquid while you're going for it? Uh, so you just die. <laughs> is that the plan? Like, I don't know. I, like I, I, what a way to go. I just, I was, I saw that episode of Robin Big where they tried to get world records and they tried to get the world record for eating powdered donuts, and that was one of the <laughs> rules was they could not drink any liquid. Oh dear. Uh, and Big did get the record for powdered donuts, by the way. Eric, uh, what's what's your what's your elimination? Well, let's go back to, uh, right on next on the list: raised sugar ring. Yeah, that 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 a uh, raised donut with the sugar ring. It's, it's, it's uh, fine. It's that's yeah. there's just it's, so many it's, better options. On it's here. last out in you know a, a work function. I don't like that lemon cream powdered donut, so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, dump Good that call. right now. Uh, it's it's like a powdered donut that is better than the powdered donut, which I would have eliminated first if Kevin didn't get to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but uh, but adding lemon to a powdered donut, it's still in its heart is a powdered donut, and I I just can't can't take that. So I, I will not allow it. All right, Kev, uh, Kevin, you're back up. Uh, I'm gonna eliminate the chocolate glazed. 
uh, the ch- just call. the chocolate cake donut with the glaze on it. Yeah, I'll enjoy it, but yeah, it's not like a. I, I, I like it less than the standard cake donut, so and I know that's going to be eliminated soon. All right, yeah. I mean, not by me. I actually am a cake donut uh, lover, so I'll probably hold on to as many of those as I can <laughs> for as long as I can. Eric, what are you thinking? You know, I like staying in proximity to Kevin's donut choices, so chocolate bar is out. Oh, chocolate bar, yeah. I, 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 chocolate bar is totally overrated. Yeah. Uh, there's not – it's – I don't understand – I like it when it has something in it, you know, like if it's like an eclair style. Oh, thing sure. Or something. Yeah. But, but yeah, like it's the, just the, the maple bar, bar, but it's like, not good. It's like the maple bar without the maple. I'm going to eliminate bacon maple bar. Good call. Because it's worse than, it's worse than regular maple bar. And I want to make sure that, that we are all on, on that same page. Uh, it is the hot agree. topic of donuts. You know it's, what's better than a maple bacon bar? Uh, a, a bacon maple bar? Having a, having a piece of bacon that's cooked by someone who cooks bacon and then having a maple bar. Yeah, it's just it's just uh, it's it's like too much. It's it's like it's too. It's trendy, like the cheeseburger in between two donuts. Like you don't need that in your life. All Stop, right, Kevin. <laughs> hit it. All right. Um, this is gonna get a little bit dicey. I'm eliminating, and it feels a little early, but I have to the cronut. The cronut. Um, I really but... like croissants, but I want my croissants to be croissants and my donuts to be donuts. Sometimes cronuts too. They it's a weird thing where when you get a really good one, it's really good. But like, if it's off at all, it's terrible. Yep, it's like not almost un- inedibly bad. How'd uh, Eric- you burn the inside of this? Yeah, <laughs> Eric. Oh, uh, let's go with cinnamon twist. It's uh, it's very good, but it's the the plain tiger donut. T- tiger but it, tail. But it's like the you know the yeast donut. So I'm getting it out. You it's also the directly worse Pershing. Let's be honest. Yeah, Pershings are so good. Um, plus, Pershings come sometimes come with like maple or chocolate on top of them and stuff. That's just dank. Um, all right, let's. Let's go with um, we got two different custard filled donuts, and I'm going to eliminate the one I think's worse because Boston cream is the goat. Bye bye custard filled. Uh, see you Good later. Uh, custard filled is is solid, but it's not Boston cream, so it's it's worse. Uh, <laughs> I would have gladly kept the two of those in as long as possible, but I'm okay with this. I'm down to two that I'd be really tempted to eliminate, and right now I'm going to go double chocolate. Oh wow, I love double chocolate, but that's I think fair. double chocolate's okay. pretty good, but like. You know, I, I just don't need, uh, like, if you have chocolate on your donut and you didn't then fill it with Boston cream, then what are we wasting our time with? Okay, so I'm going to make a clarification here, Eric, for you. The jelly filled is a glazed donut that has jelly in it, and the strawberry jelly is that powdered one that has jelly in it. And I I'm want to make this so distinction. I'm so glad you did that. I'm because so uh, because I'm about to eliminate one of them if you don't. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, since, <laughs> since you did that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take out the jelly filled. Oh, that was the oh, opposite of what I was going to do. Oh, really? that's I'm happy with this decision making. I like I like the powdered with, you know, we talk about it being dry, mm. but you get that strawberry jam and something about it being strawberry, it just makes it happen. Hmm. Interesting. It's, I I appreciate that even though you're wrong. Uh, yeah, I would, I would go the other way with that one, but you know what? Uh, it's it, that's what that's the point of the eliminator. It was payback for the powdered donut first because I do love the powdered donut. <laughs> uh, bye bye glazed donut. You're cool, but not this cool. You should have been gone a long time ago, Kevin. <laughs> Probably, but now I'll just happily eliminate the uh, powdered jelly donut like it should have been two picks ago. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's like uh, I yeah, got to eliminate powdered donuts twice. Hey, back like a win, baby. Kevin uh, loves jelly donuts, but but the powder is just such a betrayal. <laughs> it is. Totally defeats uh, the purpose. Eric, here's uh, here's something that's been on the list way too long. The cruller. Oh, yes. I love crullers. They're oh, fine. They're fine. They, just, they don't need to be here that long. Uh, crullers I like because I just like 
they're so interesting texturally comparative to other donuts. There's just something about it. Um, like all right, we got cheese donuts. I do like that both sprinkles donuts have survived this long, but I think this is the point where one of them needs to go. So I'm going to eliminate cinnamon sugar cake donut because uh, I don't know how it, I don't know how it's here either. I, I like that donut, but like that's it's just I like kind it of better than the sprinkle boring. Donuts boring i love sprinkles because they provide like this weird textural thing that most donuts don't have that i find so do cinnamon sugar though because you get the granules Mm -hmm. but it just makes my mouth dry that's fair (laughs) all right Uh, all right Um, i feel like there's two here that are a little bit redundant and one of them has a place in my heart and the other one doesn't um i apologize nathan but i am going to limit the buttermilk all right it is kind of like an old-fashioned which i think is what you're comparing it to yep Um, and the old-fashioned has a place in my heart you need to eat a buttermilk because I think it will switch you on buttermilk versus old fashioned in an instant. So my grandpa, like, so my grandpa Jarvie, when I was a kid, used to get old fashioned donuts from a bakery in Port Ledlow. And so, like, I, I apologize. Buttermilk donuts have to compete with what my brain thinks five year old me was eating. And that's lizard brain. Can't, yep. Sorry. Yeah, well, I think it can beat your lizard brain. That's how good it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eric, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to eliminate chocolate with sprinkles. Nice, good call. I do. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, it's fine, but you know, double chocolate. And it's, it, it, so, it for those of you who don't have a spreadsheet, we're down to the final seven. We got apple fritter, bear claw, Boston cream, maple bar, old fashioned, Pershing, and vanilla frosting with sprinkles. I'm going to take out vanilla frosting with sprinkles. Oh, it's, it's my all time like favorite. It's time. It donut. is a it is a really good regular donut though, and the thing is, it, it's good in raised and it's good in cake. Fact. So it, it it was a uh, a tough eliminate, but I like all of these other ones more, so I had to do it. Uh, Kevin. All right, so uh, five-year-old me can stuff it because I'm taking away old-fashioned. <laughs> I like old-fashions a lot, but when I look at this list, I can't think of a donut I would reach for an old-fashioned over. Yeah, I, I'm, at, I'm at that point, too, where I'm like, okay, which donut would I grab? These are the five available. It's yep. getting dicey. Eric. And, and the answer is all five and shove them in your mouth simultaneously. If you leave a man <laughs> to his own devices at some point, he will turn on himself. <laughs> Eric, what are you gonna do? Fritter, claw, cream, bar, or Pershing? You know, I personally am not a Boston cream guy, but because I I care about Kevin so much, and and you, Nathan, I'm gonna leave that in here. I feel like I'm getting away with something here. There's three of the about same. I'm Eric, eliminating... the point. The point of the eliminator is to eliminate the one you like the least. So if you uh, like Boston cream the least, I I, I would gonna, disagree with that. But but I don't care. Like these are all good donuts. No, this is why I'm. This is why I'm going with this. I'm eliminating this is a the, strong selection of donuts right here. The bear claw, okay, because yeah. the bear you. claw is very good, and uh, I feel it's close to the fritter, close to the Pershing. But really, it's it's hit or miss with me. Sometimes you get a really good one. Sometimes you're like, oh okay, you just. You, Stuff, stuff some almond paste in it. I have stuff. a. And when they don't put enough almond paste in, get out. Get and it's out. just dry. Those, those mm-hmm. people, those people can can uh, can go cook themselves. So if I was making a fave a fave five of donuts, it would be these four donuts plus buttermilk. And if I made a fave six, it would have been bear claw number six. So I'm really in a. It's real dire straits for me here. Like <laughs> I don't. I don't these are strong. Know what to pick. I'm going to just talk a little bit about each donut, what I like about them. I'm going to compliment all of the donuts, you know, give them a little, uh, <laughs> give them a little love. Apple fritter. I like that. It's sometimes apple fritters are really crispy. And I just think that that's cool. And apples are delicious. We did a whole uh, apple episode of. Yeah, we're uh, on apple show. corner over here, except um, for red delicious. Boston cream. I mean, that cream inside is so good. And then it's, it's a, it's a raised chocolate ring, which is a pretty solid donut anyway. Uh, and that cream's really good. Maple bar, the classic. It's just a classic. Like it, it, reminds me of eating donuts and then pershing is cinnamon roll but taken to the the next level right and it comes in many forms you can get it with different stuff on top of it 
Um, for me, I'm I can't eliminate apple fritter or pershing, so I gotta pick between Boston cream and maple bar. I don't want to pick. This is bad. This is like when you know you know you're uh you're in big trouble here. Um, I'm gonna take maple bar out. It's it's it is what it is. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Uh, what do you what okay. are you taking? So if you didn't eliminate maple bar, that was my pick. <laughs> um, because Good. I really like maple bars, but like uh, again, I'm reaching over a maple bar to grab one of the other three. These are good. These are good donuts. They, they I, are. It's, there's no losers here. It's all winners from this point forward. <laughs> so what I'm what I'm stuck with is I'm looking at apple fritters and Pershings, and I think what it comes down to is I get my cinnamon hit with that apple pie filling on an apple fritter. I feel like Pershings have a really high floor, but apple fritters have a really high ceiling. I'm eliminating the Pershing here. And also, you know, you're eliminating you're picking the winner, basically, because Eric is slam dunking Boston cream into the into the ocean unless he tricked us last time. Right. No, there are no tricks. Boston cream pie. (laughs) You you are perfectly fine and everyone loves you. But me, I like you very much. But all right. So the the fritter and I would say fritter of any variety, but blueberry fritter, apple fritter, blueberry uh, fritters are the goat. Yeah, whatever kind of fritter you want. Fritter is the official donor to the Seahawks Nest Podcast. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Send us fritters. 